Hebrews chapter 9, starting in verse 15, says, For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. In the case of a will, it's necessary to prove the death of the one who made it, because a will is enforced only when somebody has died. It never takes effect while the one who made it is living. This is why even the first covenant was not put into effect without blood. When Moses had proclaimed every commandment of the law to all the people, he took the blood of calves together with water and scarlet wool and branches of hyssop, and he sprinkled the scroll and all of the people. He said, this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you to keep. In the same way, he sprinkled with the blood, both the tabernacle and everything used in its ceremonies. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. It was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again, the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with the blood that is not his own. Then Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world, but now he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people, and he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Our lessons kind of birthed out of verse 15 this morning. I'm going to put it on the screen so we can look at it one more time. It says, For this reason Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Here's our lesson. Ready? Jesus is a better payment. Jesus is a better payment. Verse 15 says that that he died as a ransom for the sins that we committed. As a ransom. What is a ransom? It's a payment, right? It's it's a payment. And and in the old covenant, in the old system, there there was a payment for sin. That's what we just read. There's always a payment. Blood is always required. And what our author wants to drive home is this very simple truth that, that the payment that Jesus made is way better than the old payments that were made. And that's what he wants us to understand. And so this morning, to really grasp that, we kind of have to see why a payment's necessary. So I've got three things I want to show you. I want to go way, way, way back for the first one. And here it is. Ready? According to Scripture, we are all in debt to God because of sin. Okay? According to Scripture, we are all in debt to God because of sin. 
All right? Romans 3.23, we, we, we know that. It says, for all have sinned and, and fallen short of the glory of God. And if you don't like the word all, then don't read Romans 3.10. Because it says it this way. There is no one righteous, not even one. And so we're kind of all in the same camp. And, and, and we understand that. Then Romans 6.23 says the wages of that sin is, is death. And that wage, it, it's a payment, right? It, it, it's a payment. It, it's a price. Now, now, there are some people that are very uncomfortable with this concept of us being in debt to God because of our sin. They don't like the thought of being legally obligated to the Creator that made all the rules, by the way. So they don't, they don't like the thought of being legally in, indebted, spiritually indebted to God because of something that they've done. But this is, in truth, what Scripture teaches. If you don't believe me, just look at how Jesus uh, teaches us to pray in the book of Matthew. Right? He says this, and forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debts. Now, he's teaching his disciples to pray. He says, and, and, and this is how you should pray. Right? And, and this is part of the prayer that we should pray. God, forgive us of our debts that we might also forgive our debtors. Now, other translations uh, translate that sins. Why is that acceptable? Because that's what it's talking about. It's saying that we, we owe a great debt because of sin. Because of sin, and that's why we pray, God, forgive us of our our debt, of our sin debt. You see, here's the story, of course, right? God made everything. He made everything that we see, and He made everything that we don't see, and and, and He made uh, us. He he formed and fashioned all of the world, including you and and me, and, and we were made in His image, Scripture says, and we were made to be with Him. And that could, I mean, we, we were made to be with him. And the rules of the relationship were really straightforward, ready? The, 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 this is how it began. God said, I love you, and I've provided everything you need. These are the rules. That I, I have provided everything that you need, and get this, um, I love you so much that I'm going to put you in charge of all of it. You, you get all of it. And not only do you get all of it, it gets better. In addition to getting all of it, you get something far greater than all of it. You get me. Right? And, and I love you and I've made you in my image and I've given you all this and, 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 and here's the deal. You also get me and so I'm gonna come and hang out with you and we're gonna walk in the day and we're gonna talk and I'm gonna know you and you're gonna know me and I'm gonna be your God and, and you're gonna be my people. And, and God's setting up and the rules are so straightforward. He says, listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna provide for you, uh, for all of your needs forever and ever and ever and I will be your source of joy and love and peace and patience. Me. I will. This is, this is God's system. He's setting it up. And this is what he says. But there is one thing that you can do. There's one thing in all of this that, that you can do to, to, to just absolutely ruin it. Ready? You can rebel against me. If, if, if you rebel against me, if you choose to cast aside all of my love for you, if you choose to cast aside all of my provision for you, if you choose to break my laws and break my heart, you will lose me. And if you lose me, you will lose my life and you will surely die. This is, this is the Genesis account. You will surely die. And despite his love and his provision, Adam and Eve thought that somehow God was holding out on them. And so they did just that. They rebelled against God. 
They, they, they rebelled against the Creator's authority and they broke His rules. And the consequences were sudden and severe. The cost was high. The Bible says that they were separated from God. And because they were separated from God, they were separated from His life. They were no longer blameless and pure. So here's the questions we have to ask. Number one, what did they lose? They lost God. They lost all of God. They lost His goodness and His presence and all those things. Because they lost God, they, they lost His life. No longer could they live forever. No longer did they have dominion. They lost Him and they lost His, his life. So the second question we must ask is why? Why did they lose his life? And the answer is this. Because they were no longer perfect. Because they were no longer perfect. So this is what I want you to see. So the debt that they owed because of their transgressions, what what they lost and what they owed therefore was a perfect life. That's the debt. They owed a perfect life. And thus we owe a perfect life. And that's a problem, isn't it? Because once you sin, you can never be perfect again. I don't know about you, but that is not good news. That's bad news. That's, that's tragedy. And that is the tragedy that Scripture lays forth about the fall of, of mankind, about our depravity. So we have to begin there. We are all in debt to God because of our sin. But the news gets better. God pursues us in his love. and He sets up kind of a system. And so let's talk about that. I want to just show this to you. Here's our second point this morning. I want you to see that under the old covenant, God allowed a form of forgiveness. Okay? But, but I'm going to borrow some terms from my good friend Jeff. That forgiveness was just financed. Under the old covenant... Forgiveness was, was finance. And I, I want to explain to you what I mean. You see, the, the tabernacle and all of its sacrificial system, it was, it was really just a way of deferred payment. That's, that's what the tabernacle was. God knew that the blood of animals had no ability to make us right. God knew that there was no way that the blood of bulls and goats could actually restore perfection unto us. But God in grace was allowing that to count as a minimum payment for what was eventually going to be paid. Are you following me? It's a deferred payment. It's like making the minimum balance payment on a, on, a, on a credit card with a huge amount. And, and, and the old covenant, that's what it was. It, it was just, it was financed forgiveness. It was, it was making the minimum payment. Meanwhile, the, the, the balance of debt was, was growing and growing and growing and growing. Yet God in His grace allowed it. He allowed that minimum payment to, 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 to work as a covering for us until the final payment was made. The problem, of course, is that the people of God uh, knew that animal sacrifice wasn't enough. 
They, they knew it. They, you know, when you're in debt, you know you're in debt, right? I mean, I mean you get it. Like, you get the paycheck, and you write all the bills and all the payments, and you sit there, and you go, oh, this isn't working. When, when you're at a point that you're having to make minimum payments and just to, to survive, you know that there's a growing monster out there, even if you're trying to ignore it. And the people of God knew that this couldn't be enough. And so the Bible says that, that not only did the sacrifice had to be made every single year on their behalf, but it also says that the people themselves never had a clear conscience about the sacrifice. Can you imagine that? The greatest day in the nation, the day that your sins are covered, and you still don't even have a clear conscience about it, so you still don't come to God. You stand back at a distance feeling unworthy. It's what being indebted will cause you to do. This is the story of the Old Covenant. And the Bible says that this was just a temporary, external kind of cleansing. It was done in, in a copy of the true tabernacle, our author says. I bring those points to your attention because this next thing, this is good. <laughs> okay, number three. So I want you to understand this morning. Under the new covenant, Jesus has paid off our sin debt, get this, in full. <laughs> Uh-huh. Your, your sin debt account, if you've put your trust in Christ, has been paid off. You can't even, you can't even go and look for a balance. It doesn't exist anymore. Right? That, that's what we're talking. This is how much better Jesus is. Now, what was the debt? What caused the fall? The debt was a perfect human life. And so, out of His love for us, God becomes man. Because a perfect human life is the debt. You following me? That's what we owe God. And so God says, listen, there's no way. They, they can't, but, but I'm going to allow this deferred payment until I become the perfect human life on their behalf. And so Jesus is born of a virgin and he lives a perfect life and he dies on the cross as a, as a payment to pay off our sin debt once and for all. That's, that's the truth of, of the gospel. Jesus forever becomes the God-man. And He was and is blessedly, wonderfully perfect. Fulfills the entire law of God. The law of God, which was very different, by the way, from the religious laws of man, in case you ever read the gospels. You might want to think about that one day. <laughs> it's a whole other sermon, isn't it? Jesus perfectly fulfilled the law of God. And all the religious people found fault with him. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. The new covenant, Jesus has paid off our sin in, in full. And when Christ laid down his perfect life, I want you to see this. When he sacrificed himself on the cross, when he shed his perfect blood, he said something. Something that maybe you haven't, haven't, haven't grasped yet, Okay. And I know you've heard it before, you've heard the cry before, and you have some kind of understanding. I just wonder if you, you've got the depth uh, understanding of, of what he actually says here. And here's what he cries from the cross, ready? Real, real simple, John 19.30, he cries, It is finished, and he gives up his spirit, right? And we think, okay, it is, it is finished. Well, what does that mean? Well, that, that, that word in Greek specifically, uh, primarily, most often, was used as a financial term. You ready? And it means paid. 
means paid. It is paid. Your sin debt is paid in full, and Jesus gives up his spirit. That's, that's the beauty of the cross. That, that, that's what we, we celebrate when we call Friday good, because it wasn't good for him, but it was beautiful for us. Like This is what grace really looks like. Jesus says, your account is closed, it's paid in full. It is finished. This is what I want you to see about that payment. Just some things that text points out and will be done. It's paid in full. Okay? Old covenant, there was payment, right? It's just partial payment. It was deferred payment. The blood of, of, of animals and the bulls and goats, right? It provided an external cleansing. It provided an external covering, but it never cleared the conscience of the worshiper. But Jesus, when he dies, he, he, yes, he covers us. We've got the external covering. Okay. But he also makes us right on the inside. He doesn't just die and, and with the power to cover wrong. He actually dies and gives us the power to be made right. It's a full payment. It's not a half payment. It's not a partial payment. It's, it's a full payment. The text also says that it's a final payment. Once and for all, it says, get this, to do away with sin. This is what the scripture said. You, you read it, right? He, he died once and for all. This is uh, in verse 26. But now he's appeared once for all at the end of ages. Get this, to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. This is what Jesus has done. He has, listen to me, friends. I, I know that you may stumble. And I know that you may sin. But you need to understand the reality is that sin has already been done away with for you. Okay? It doesn't mean that you won't trip. It doesn't mean that you won't fall. It doesn't mean that you won't have wrong thoughts. And that at times you won't act out upon those wrong thoughts. It means that, that the effect of that can't harm you anymore because the account's been closed. It's been paid in full. The debt has already been paid for you once for all. And I think most of us struggle with this. You see, there was a time that we should have stood off at a distance and been uncomfortable coming into God's presence because sin was not done away with and because God is holy and just. But when we receive Christ and sin is done away with, we have full access to God now. And we get to come to God as we are, empty-handed, messed up. And he says, listen, I know that you sin, but I need you to understand that I've done away with your sin as far as the east is from the west. It's done. This is how much better Jesus really is. The last thing I would tell you is that when Jesus paid our debt, he did it in person. I don't know if you caught that. It's just a really small little thing. I think it's important. The old covenant, they would, they would make that payment. It was in a copy. But the Bible says that Jesus didn't. It, it, I, I, I was trying to, to put that into modern day terms. I, I don't know if it's like online giving versus paying in person. I, I, don't, I don't even know what that looks like. I don't, I don't know if they mailed it in in comparison. I, I just know that Jesus didn't do it in a copy. He didn't go to a branch, right? 
I mean, he, he goes before God himself and presents his sacrifice and he closes our, our account and the sin debt is paid and it's paid in person. And now he stands before God, he, he dwells with God and he continues to mediate on our behalf, our reconciliation, our way back to God, back to life, to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him, the text says. So how, do, how, do, how does a Christian respond when they start to grab these kind of concepts and, and they start to sink in a little bit? Let me, let me give you the first, just that rolls off the top uh, of my head uh, when, when you get here. Ready? Uh, I would think we'd begin here, right? Be really thankful. Be really, really, really thankful. Um, and, and I won't do a show of hands because this is one of those things we don't talk about in church, right? Some of us in this room have found ourselves in debt at one time. Right? Some of you in this room may be in debt right now. Uh, there, there were times in our life that, that, that Hope and I, I mean, credit card or this or that or student loans. And, and there were some times that we had to sit down and go, oh, my goodness, and, and get it in order. And, uh, and, and, and just work really hard to pay things off. And, and uh, I remember before, uh, before we even came here, we, we had accrued debt again, even after we'd already got out of debt once. But, but we knew that God was calling us to something. We didn't know what it looked like. We said, we've got to be debt free. And so in, in about six, eight months, um, we, we paid off. Uh, all of our debt, we're completely debt free, and I remember what that was like. It was like, <gasps> and 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 you're so it, it's like a weight is lifted off of you, and you're so thankful not to be in that place anymore, friends. Can I tell you in a greater way? A greater weight has been lifted off of you, and you no longer have to perform. And, and you no longer have to struggle to try to please God. God is pleased with you because of Jesus. You have full access to God now because of Jesus, because your righteous works were never going to work. That's huge. This is, this, this is the beauty of the gospel. So we start here. And be thankful, okay? Number two, we encourage you. Scripture does this over and over again, Okay? What Christ did on the cross cleansed you. It cleaned your conscience. It, I mean, you have been made clean. So, so you know what Scripture then would encourage you to do? Then be clean. <laughs> like, like, act like it, okay? What, what's the first thing you don't do when you get out of debt? Get back into debt, right? The first, you don't make the final payment and go, Hey, honey, I think we need another credit card. Like, that's, you just don't go there, right? You, you don't go sacrificially working hour after hour after hour and, and get out of debt and turn right around and say, I think we need a huge TV, let's finance it. You just, you just don't go there because it doesn't make sense. And, and so in the same way, I would say unto you, because you've been made clean, right? Because you've been declared clean, the gospel to me would, would kind of suggest that maybe you shouldn't go back and get back into debt. Not that you can, because your, your account's been closed, but follow me. Because you've been made clean, be clean. That's what scripture teaches. People think, you know, be holy as I'm holy. Well, how can I be holy? Because you've been made holy. That's how. So be holy. That's the point. Listen, just to be honest with you. If you don't live this way, you're going to be miserable as a Christ follower. Okay? When God makes you clean, when he declares you clean, when he puts his spirit inside of you, 
and then you choose to not live that way, there's not another more miserable person on the face of the planet, not even the sinner that knows nothing about God. The one that's wallowing in sin that we all feel pitiful for, right? As Christians, oh, that poor person, they just look at them making bad, all the drugs and all the sex, and oh my gosh, their life's so messed up. You know whose life's messed up? The person that sits in church and continues to, to wallow in that stuff and, and ignore God, and that person is more miserable than the, than, than the other. Because they've received the Father's love, and now they're still dwelling in the pig pen. And so I'm, I'm just going to say to you, I'm going to say in love, be clean. Right? Whatever that is. And Satan hates you. I mean, he, he, he really does. He despises you. He's going to try to find all those areas that you used to stumble and trip and fall on your face. And he's going he's to invade those areas. He's going to try to get you to crack the door open so that he can squeeze himself in. He's going to do that. And you know what the Bible says when that happens? Okay, when you fall, one, you seek forgiveness. And then two, after you say, God, I'm sorry, you become like a, a serial killer of sin. That's what you do. I mean, you plot it, you plan it, you, you go sharpen the machetes and, 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 and get the, the, the rope and, I mean, everything else. I mean, it's like, clue, how are you going to murder the sin? And then you go full force and you, you, you kill that sin. That's what you do. Why? Because you are clean, so be clean, okay? And here's the last one. Uh, and be free. <laughs> okay, the, the weight has been lifted. Act like it. <laughs> Just act like it. Okay? This should transform your relationship with God um, just about single-handedly. If, if you truly understand that you don't have to come to God hands full of all your man-made sacrifices, but that you can come to God completely empty, just grateful and thankful for what He has done, then you start to get a pattern in your life where you understand that you can always come to God no matter what happens. And you know what God wants? Somebody that knows that they can always come to God no matter what happens. Isn't that what you want with your children? Don't you want your kids to know that no matter how bad they mess up, you're always there for them and you always love them and they can always tell you? Don't we have those conversations over and over and over? Oh, parents that have those conversations with their children, why don't you accept that kind of love from your heavenly father? You've got to. So so be free. Don't don't go back. Come to God empty-handed. Because he succeeded, we are free to fail. We get him, and we get his life. We should act like it, all right? Would you guys pray with me? Father, um, I pray this morning that you would forgive us for being such good Pharisees. God, that you would forgive us for being so good at trying to produce our own righteousness and trying to come into your presence and act like we have done something to earn your favor. Entirely missing the point that you have done everything for us. God, when we think about a relationship with you, this is the thing I hear most people say, that sounds too good. And then I look back and I read Genesis and I say, no, that sounds just about right. A God that provides for my every need. A God that loves me and just wants to live with me. A God that says, I will give you everything. Just don't reject me. Father, thank you for allowing us to have a slice of heaven here on earth. Thank you for giving us yourself. Thank you, Jesus, for restoring our relationship to God. Help us live that way. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen.